You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, and unafraid witness. Thank you for listening. Lord, where do we even start? It's a little overwhelming to think about how good you are and how gracious you are to us. We don't deserve to have Jesus Christ our Savior, yet you reached out and saved us. God, we, there's nothing in us that's good to, for you to call us into ministry and to plant a church and, the, and, and to, the people around to come around us and to, to serve the Lord together. And yet, God, in your mercy, you've heard our prayers, you've answered them. And, and even as I think about all the other church plants in North America, why, why would you choose us to pour your blessing upon? I don't get it, but God, we don't have to get it. We just say thank you. Thank you for the victories, Lord. Thank you for all the spiritual work you've done in our hearts, the way you're transforming us from from the inside out, for the way you're bringing marriages even closer, the way you're breaking addiction to sin, the way you keep showing us greater glimpses of who you are and, and how we are to live in your blessing and how we are to live as a church family. Thank you, God. Thank you for bringing all the wonderful people before me and from the first service. Thank you for bringing them into our extended spiritual family, for allowing us the privilege of walking through life together and allowing us the privilege of leading this, 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 this powerful group of believers, God, only by your mercy and by your grace. So thank you. We love you, God. That gives us so much hope for the future. Looking back on the past gives us so much hope for the future. For God, you brought us here, and God, you want to use us, and and we believe in more, God. We believe you have more for us. So God, would you help us to have faith looking ahead, not reveling in what's behind, but looking ahead. Would you give us more faith, God? Would you give us more spiritual power? Would you give us more salvations and more baptisms and more God at work stories, more evidence of, of you producing fruit in our lives, God? Greater prayer fervency. Lord, you Bring us into a deeper awareness of who you are and what you want to do in us and through us. Would you use us, God, as a church? We don't want to just be here and do church together on Sundays. We want to see the living God come alive in our hearts and in this place and in our communities, Lord, for your glory. And God, as we open up your word today, I pray that you'd help us be hearers of the word and doers of the word. Open our ears, open our hearts now to hear and understand and receive what you have for us. I believe, God, you have a powerful word for us this morning as you want to reveal another aspect of your love for us. May we all be eager and ready, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit to hear and to act upon what you teach us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, ready to dig in? So Hebrews chapter 12 today. If you don't have a Bible, then uh, and put your hand up, please, and then I shall be more than happy to, to get a copy of God's Word in your hands. We want to see what God has for us today. And so Hebrews chapter 12, we're looking at verses uh, 5 to 11, and uh, please follow along. Before we get there, though, i got to start with what I told you I was going to start with for the whole year. What, what are we going to start with? We want to start with this. I want to remind you today. I want to remind you, and I want to tell you, and I want to emphasize to you this truth, that God loves you today. You hear me? Should be some sort of smiles on your faces coming up and some sort of like heart palpitations happening. God loves you, the eternal God of the universe, the all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present triune God, the one true God today wants you to know this. He loves you. 
That's the greatest truth you'll ever hear. We'll never get tired of hearing this truth. God loves you. And I'm praying through the sermon series that you're getting a greater glimpse of that love. And even today, your heart understands a little more deeply the love of God. God's broad love. God's pursuing love. God's forgiving love. And yet there's another aspect of God's love you need to have in your repertoire of understanding if you're going to have a full picture of God's love. And it's this, that God doesn't just love you with a passive, do-whatever-you-want sort of love. God loves you with an active, I'm going to love you into maturity kind of love. God doesn't just passively love you and let you talk forgiveness last week. So, so God forgives me so I can just go and do whatever I want and God's going to forgive me. That's not the type of love God has for you. God has a deeper love for you than that. God has an active, I want to make you into the image of my son kind of love for you. Max Licato says it this way, God loves you just the way you are. But he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to be just like Jesus. God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you far too much to leave you in your brokenness and your sin. He longs to make you like his son. See, God's in the restoration business. Just like an antique restorer has a passion to see old, worn pieces of furniture restored to its original beauty. So God takes joy and passion in, in finding wrecked people, people who are wrecked by sin, and restoring us, them, to their originally intended beauty. And how does he do that? How does he do that? Often it's through this. We don't like to hear this, but it's true. Through God's disciplining love. You hear me? God loves you enough to, I know it's a swear word in today's culture, isn't it? Discipline you to make you more like his son. Let me read for you Hebrews chapter 12. You don't believe me? Count with me and circle the number of times you see in these seven verses the word discipline or disciplining or disciplined. Hebrews chapter 12, starting at verse 5. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons or daughters? My son or daughter, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son or daughter whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons or daughters. For what son is there from whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which you have all participated then you are illegitimate children and not actually sons and daughters at all. Besides this, we have earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, get this, later, it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Oh, my God, my God just loves. He doesn't discipline, he doesn't make me feel uncomfortable at all. And that's not the God of the Bible. This just said discipline. You count them. I took grade three, nine times in seven verses. God disciplines us. Because he, say it, loves us. Let me help you understand this from a biblical perspective, because I know there's a lot of misunderstanding with this. That's why it's probably not talked about. I don't know how many churches don't preach this, because it's 
clear as day in the Old and New Testament. I want you to write this first in your notes as I unpack this for you. Number one is this. God disciplines you because he loves you. You have to get that. God disciplines you because he loves you. I want you to write it down to let it sink into your heart. Clearly, there's one key word in this text. It is discipline. When you see nine times in seven verses one word, you should be like, ding, 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 ding. I think the passage is about that. Here's what the word discipline means. So you don't have a proper, so you, so you do have a proper understanding, so you don't misunderstand it. Because we hear the word discipline, we think he's coming from here with a great big stick and he's going to beat me to the ground. God is. That's not it. Here's what discipline means. The Greek word is padea. And it denotes the training of a child. Think of, think of a parent's responsibility to train up their children. It's a broad term that covers instruction and correction and warning and discipline. This is the kind of love that God has for you. God's love for you is not just a soothing kind of love, which it is. God's love is also a sanctifying kind of love. Which means he has, means he has good plans. He wants to make you into the image of his son. And God will do, brothers and sisters, whatever it takes in your life to keep you on track with where he's going. He will do whatever it takes to keep your mind in cohesion with his mind and your heart in sync with your heart, with your heart in sync with his heart and your life in line with his life. So the truth of the reality is this, God, sometimes when we get Going on our own direction, God sometimes will stop us in our tracks and give us a holy spanking. God will sometimes give us a spiritual timeout. God will sometimes even give us a righteous reprimand when he sees us falling off the path. I know, I get it already. Some of you guys are like, What? I've just heard my whole life about God's love. This is God loving you. Look no further than the Old Testament. The whole Old Testament is about God's children. What are they doing all the time? They're walking straight and they have this unusual propensity to like, "Uh uh-oh, found myself over here in the woods. What does God do? He disciplines them to get them back on the path. Going straight again, not too long. We're like finding Nemo, like, ooh, look at that, you know? Next thing you know, they're over in the ditch over here and they're, how'd you get here? We don't know. So God disciplines them to get them back on the path. It's true, we have this unusual propensity in our hearts to, to be just like the Israelites. We look at them, and we're like, wow, man, they're so messed up. Uh, hello? You looked in the mirror lately? We, too, have a, this propensity to, to find idols out of nowhere and to, to want to do our own thing. And so God disciplines. If you do a study on the word discipline, it's throughout the whole Old Testament. I did one this week and just marked every time the word discipline was in the Bible. And you see that God's discipline is for his children. And here's how it comes up. God allows the enemy to attack his children sometimes to wake them up to the reality of their sin. God sometimes turns his face away from his children. When they start wandering far away from him, so they'll know the, the, the full reality of what it is to walk away from God and, and repent and come back to him. God sometimes adds to his children's burdens even. And he reproves them with scolding and warning time and time again because he loves them. Because they need it. 
reality is that sometimes God allows us to also go through hard seasons to get our attention and expose our sin and cause us to long for a right relationship with God again. And so God sometimes uses in our life testings and trials and sickness and pain and sorrow and trouble and affliction of the soul. God sometimes uses that in our lives because he loves us and wants us to keep walking on the straight and the good path he's set for us. It doesn't mean God doesn't like you and hard things. When we kind of associate, it's hard, it's hard, it can't be good, right? It means that God does love you. Sometimes we go through hard things, and it is a result of the sin-stained world we live in, for sure. Other times, though, we go through hard things, and it's a result of our sin staining the world. God wanted to tell us enough, you're destroying yourself, you're destroying other people around you, our relationship is not in the place it should be, so God disciplines us. You have to understand the difference between discipline and punishment, though. These are, I, think, I think sometimes as Christians we think punishment and discipline in the same vein, and although they can be a little bit similar, they're not at all when it comes to, to God. Jerry Bridges tells it like this. Here's the, here's the unique thing about God's discipline versus his punishment. The purpose of God's discipline is not to punish us, but to transform us. Huge difference, right? It's not to punish us, but to transform us. So I've come up with a little chart on the screen here for you to help you understand the difference between punishment and discipline. And so here's what punishment is. This is what God has, a righteous and holy God in his moral correctness and his justice. In his righteousness, he punishes sin. And the unbeliever would be under the punishment of God. Here's what God's punishment is. It's a a vengeance, a, a rightful, I want to snuff that sin out. It's eternal. God carries the name judge in punishment. God's, judge, God's punishment is for his enemies, and it results in condemnation. Just a side note, I don't say this with joy in my heart, but if you're an unbeliever today, this is your reality. Your reality is you still live under the, in your sin, holy God, morally incapable of, of encountering sin or tasting sin or touching sin. In your sin, you are under the judgment of God, and, and you can expect punishment from God. But here's the reality of Jesus. This is why we get so excited about Jesus Christ in our church. Because when Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth, when he died on the cross, he actually took the wrath of God, took the punishment of God that we deserve. He took it. We deserve it. That anyone who turned to Jesus by faith and repentance now, we wouldn't be under God's wrath, but Christ is our propitiation. means he turns God's wrath into God's kindness for us. So those of us who are in Christ, if you're a believer, you no longer have to fear the punishment of God, but you can expect this. You can expect the holy hand of of discipline from God. And here's what God's discipline is. It's correction. It's temporary It comes from a God who carries the name Father. It's for God's children, and it results in our righteousness. So as believers in Jesus Christ, I pray most of us, or all of us are there today. We we don't fear the punishment, but we can expect God to to discipline us for our good and his glory. Listen to what it says in Deuteronomy 8.5. I give you a lot of verses today. You can just write down the references and then look them up after. But I want you to see it's not just one place discipline is. It's throughout the whole Bible. Deuteronomy 8, 5. Know that in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, father, son, father, daughter, so the Lord your God disciplines you 
Why? So you shall keep the commandments of God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. So God disciplines us, that text tells us, because he loves us, because he he wants us to walk in his ways. He wants us to fear and revere and respect him because he has good things in store for us that culminate in eternity in heaven with him. He disciplines all of us to make sure that we stay on that narrow path. Remember the wide is the path that leads to destruction. Narrow is the path that leads to, to eternal life. And so he disciplines to keep us on that narrow path. Because he loves us. I know what you're thinking. I think it too. Oh, I don't Love me or not, I don't like discipline. Who ever likes discipline? <laughs> Remember when we were kids? You don't like discipline. Don't give me that. Remember when we were kids and the, you hear the dad coming down the hall, you know he's coming to discipline you, right? Or you know, pro- probably for your own good. Remember, remember that whole feeling of, oh, here he comes. It's their fault. And my dad's like, what are you putting the wall for? What the wall do? I don't know, but I only have one sister. It's over here. Their fault too. None of us like discipline, right? Let's go a little deeper into reality here. How many of us need discipline from time to time? Yeah, that'll be every hand. Come on. <laughs> Think of when I was a kid, how much I needed Discipline. Because I couldn't just seem to get it right. <laughs> I'll be honest, I've never grown out of that. My mistakes are just bigger now and they're of adult propensity instead of kid propensity. But constantly I find myself in my life needing, not necessarily wanting, but needing the discipline of the Lord again to remind me of the path and the plan He has for me to keep me on the straight and narrow. And God loves us enough to discipline us in that way. I know you're the same. Don't think you're not any different than I am. I know, you know some people kind of evokes two responses. This whole idea of a sin. Some people are like, oh, I'm such a wretched sinner. The other extreme is like, well, that's not me anymore. I'm way better than everybody else. The reality is we all need to be disciplined. More often than we'd like to admit. Think how many times your affections become greater for anything other than God. And you don't even realize it because your heart's so deceitfully wicked above all things. I sometimes don't even realize that my affections are becoming about everything but God. And God has to come in and discipline me and discipline us to say, Hey, hey, there's, something, there's someone greater to love and that's God himself. Think of how many times your attitudes go awry. Jealousy creeps in and bitterness or just you've got that plain old negative stink on. And you don't even realize it. Until God, through his word, one day, the Holy Spirit just, just stops your tracks and say, enough of this, you're destroying everybody around you with your negativity, including yourself. Stop it. We need his discipline. What about the words that we say? We try to speak uplifting words, but man, our, our, out, of our, out of our lips seems to come just words that tear down and words that stare the pot, both at home and at church. And We know what we're doing. But we're not going to stop until God finally comes and disciplines us for our good and everybody else's. Think of the times that, that, that you even get to the self-righteous place. You're like, oh, I'm so much better than everybody else in this church. You wouldn't say that. But you're like, hey, what does God have to do in those times? Because we're not going to learn ourselves. God has to come in and actually like, take us down a few notches and teach us that you think you're better than everyone else, eh? How about we think again? We're all in need of Discipline often by the Lord. And so God allows us to feel his disapproval at times and the weight of not walking rightly with him because he wants to teach us and grow us and shape us into the image of his son. And here's what the text tells us. I know I kind of 
bounced around a little bit in these first few verses today, but I need, think you need to understand discipline before I got to this. Here's what here's the, the text tells us. So, so my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. It tells us we shouldn't get weary when being reproved. What's reproved mean? It, it means scolded. Rebuked. Because the Lord disciplines those that he loves. We, we shouldn't worry about being chastised and get tired of being chastised by the Lord. Reprimanded with consequences. It's not burdensome for us because we know that it's out of love and God builds us through discipline. This whole idea of do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. I think in our churches we've come to regard lightly the disciplines of the Lord. So we're going to talk about anything in church, about the character of God and the love of God. But when it comes to this thing, it's like taboo. Don't talk about it. Don't want to even go there. It makes me feel uncomfortable. It says, don't take lightly. Here's what it's saying to us today. Some application points. Don't dismiss the discipline of the Lord in your life because God only disciplines us because we need it. And understand this. Unlike our earthly fathers, who we sometimes discipline our kids flippantly. Any dad in here want to agree with me? Sometimes. Sometimes our days kind of amplify the discipline and we, God's not like that. God is always calm and collected and deeply concerned for us when he disciplines us. So we as God's people don't have to like, don't have to run away from this and hide in the corner. We don't have to try and wiggle up from underneath it like our kids do. We can sit and accept it and embrace it and take it as a serious thing that God wants to do in our lives. Think of my kids when I discipline them. They're always trying to dismiss it in some way. We have a naughty spot for Nicholas. And I uh, probably shouldn't call it a naughty spot, but that's what it's called for now, so that's where he goes. And I'm telling you, every time you say naughty spot, he gets his little behind on that, and he's like, sorry, thinking that sorry's going to make it all better. Anything to get out of this? Anything to get out of this? And we're like, nope. You need to learn from this. We need to talk about it. We need to teach you through this. Apparently, when I was a little kid, and, and my parents would spank me, I'd do this, I'd do, didn't hurt. Ever had one of those? Didn't hurt. Trying to diminish somehow the fact that the discipline is supposed to change us. And so as God's people, we're not supposed to be, sorry, you just to get out of it and didn't hurt. To... We need to accept it and sit under it that God might teach us and grow us. Here's another one. Don't despise it. Don't dismiss it. Don't despise it. There's no need to be resentful that God disciplines you. I think that those of us who know that discipline is real, we kind of get to this place like, God, why are you disciplining me? You get all mad. Like, what, what about them? They're way worse off than I am. And what about that sin over there that person's doing? Like, discipline that one. And we get to the despise the discipline. You know what? God's disciplining you. Don't despise it. You know why he's disciplining you? Because he's not worried about everyone else's sin right now. He's worried about yours. And he loves you enough to take you through the disciplinary process to help you see and understand. Don't despise God's discipline. God... Don't get bitter when God disciplines you. God's not out to get you. He's looking out for you. My kids despise when we discipline them for running through parking lots. The two youngest love to get out of the car and just run. Yay, we're here. And we're always like, it's like herding cats. You're like trying to jump out quicker than they do so you can get them out. And, and they're always like angry that we're disciplining them. Why are we disciplining them from, from, from like running into the parking lot without looking? Why do we do that? Because we want to keep them. Exact same reason God disciplines us. Don't despise it. It says in Psalm 50, verse 16 to 17, only the wicked hate discipline. And they turn their back on God's words. Don't despise it. Don't, don't do this. Don't doubt it. Discipline comes. Why? Why is this happening? Why me? Why now? Couldn't this come at a better time? And then you pull out this one like our kids do. Does God really love me? Does God really love me? I hear that at least once a month in our house. 
All right, iPhone's done. Lost it for a day. Oh, you don't love me at all. There's going to be consequence to that one. Here's the consequence. Ah, I knew it. You hate me. And you're looking at them like, really? That came out of your lips again? Have we not shown you over and over and over and over how much we love you? The only reason we're angry right now is for the right things. Just like God gets angry at the right things. Don't doubt it. Just because God disciplines you doesn't mean he doesn't love you. In fact, it means he does love you. Psalm 94, verse 12. Blessed, get this, blessed or happy or found favor is the man whom you discipline, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law to do what? To give him rest from the days of trouble. This means we can embrace the discipline of the Lord. You know what God's trying to do in our lives through discipline? He's trying to create virtue in us. He's trying to, to drive out the evil that still remains in our flesh. And God's not disciplining you to put you out of the family. God's disciplining you to bring you into family harmony. That's why God disciplines us. So don't dismiss this. Don't despise this. Don't doubt God's discipline. You know why God's trying to get our attention even today? Because God has something far greater than your sin, a greater plan than your sin for your life. And in fact, God's discipline doesn't just show his love, it proves his love for you. God's discipline shows or proves that I am his. God's discipline proves that I am his. Look at verse 7. It is for discipline that you have to endure. In other words, it's not supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to be like, hey, discipline time. By discipline my kids by taking them to McDonald's for fries, would that actually get the point across? No, it's supposed to hurt. It's supposed to stop us in our tracks and make us take stock. And so, so we have to endure it. We need to, to uh, submit ourselves to it and, and sit under it until so, God teaches us what he wants to teach us. And how do we endure it knowing this? That God is treating us as sons and daughters. This actually means that if God's disciplining you, it actually means that you're his. For what son is there from whom his father does not discipline? Back in Jesus' day, I guess, just expected that fathers would discipline their sons. It's not like that today, is it? This is trying to get the point across. Like, clearly a father obviously disciplines his sons and his daughters. Today's day and age, that's not it. But what happens when a father or mother doesn't discipline their kids? What happens? Yeah, the word I, the word I think of is wild. We've been in enough settings in the last number of years with, with my kids' friends from school and different school settings and sports settings that you see what the the product of an undisciplined kid is. Oh my goodness. Even a few years ago, we went trick-or-treating for Halloween and, and there's all the kids running around the neighborhoods creating chaos, running across lawns. And, and I was trying to teach Zach, here's the right way to do trick-or-treating. You walk up the sidewalk and ring the doorbell and be polite and invite some kids. You know what I mean? As kids are pushing by them and doing all these things. And, and of course, kids tendencies to run with them, right? And I go, how come I can't run wild too? Because you're my son. And I'm trying to teach you what's right and what's wrong. What happens to a kid who's not disciplined? I had a 55-year-old man after the first service come to me and say, I'll tell you what happens to a, man, a kid who's never disciplined his whole life. I'm 55 and my life's a train wreck. And I'm now starting to learn the discipline of the Lord. Thank the Lord. A loving father 
is 100% committed to disciplining his kids. God's modeling this for us, parents. This is a little side note for parents. You love your child, you'll discipline them. You don't love your child, you'll let them run wild. I know it's hard, I know it's laborsome, but, but God's showing us what it is, a heart of love for discipline. Because it says here, he disciplines his own. For what son is there from, from whom a father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, how many people have participated in God's discipline? How many? How many children? How many? All. Every single one of us, if we're a legitimate child of God, have been disciplined by him because he loves us that much. He disciplines his own. And in fact, the fact that God disciplines us proves we're his. You know, your kids can run wild after church, and I might speak to them and speak to you, but I will never discipline your kids the way I discipline my kids. That's not my place. And you're saying, thank you, pastor. In the same way, if I went out in the hall and you were disciplining my kids the way you discipline your kids, I'd be offended by that. That's not your right. It's my right. They're my kids. My responsibility, I discipline my kids. Talk to me all you want. You can talk to my kids. You all have permission. They're out of line. You can talk to them, but don't discipline them. That's my responsibility. You know what God says about us? Hey, hey, those kids, they're my responsibility. I love them enough to discipline them. So discipline proves that we're legitimate children of God, it says. If you've never been disciplined by God, if you've never felt the hand of discipline of God, you better ask yourself, am I truly a child of God? Well, I've never been disciplined by God. I've never, never had the holy spanking, never had the spiritual time out, never had a righteous reprimand from God. Life's just been wonderful. Uh-oh. <laughs> You're not that good, trust me. Legitimate children are disciplined by the Lord. But he always does it in love. Look at 2 Samuel. Write this verse down. 2 Samuel 7, verses 14 to 16. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity or sin, I will discipline him with the rod of men. That doesn't sound too enticing, does it? The rod of men with the stripes of the sons of man. In other words, God will lean into us appropriately depending on our sin. And when, when sin is intense, God gets a little more intense because he cares that much about us and hates our sin that much. The more intense our sin gets, the more intense his discipline gets. Doesn't sound too soft here, so this whole idea of God being a soft, mushy disciplinarian, that's not it either. He loves us too much for that. But look at verse 15. Let me read verse 15. When he sins, I'm going to discipline him. It's going to hurt. It might seem harsh, but verse 15, my steadfast, but my steadfast love will not depart from him. But my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it, took it from, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established. I think it's clear God disciplines. I want to be clear too that I don't think God takes joy in disciplining his kids. I don't think he's like, yay, discipline day! Been waiting for this one! In fact, Lamentations 3, 21 to 31 to 33 tell us this, for the Lord will not cast off forever. He, he will be angry. He has a righteous anger for the sin in our lives. It's messing us up. It's messing up our relationships, maybe even our church. Definitely our relationship with him. But though he does cause grief, sadness, remorse, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love, for he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. 
In other words, I, th- I think if you read, read this, God, put it this way. Any dads in here? Have you ever in your whole life of being a dad woken up one morning and been like, oh, honey, man, I've been thinking about this for a week. I hope that today my kids mess up because I've got all these creative punishments that I think are going to be fun to try. Man, I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for Zach to really pull one because, you know, I'm going to try this one and, oh, man, is it going to be sweet. Any dads ever had that thought cross your mind even once? Don't put your hand up if it has. Because that's just wrong. Of <laughs> course not. We wake up in the morning like, oh God, please get us through the day where we don't even have to bring our father voice out today. Where we just have such family harmony and cohesion that we all go to bed at night and say, that was the perfect day, most perfect day we've ever had. It's not a joyful thing to discipline. My dad couldn't convince me of that. I can't convince my son of that, but it's true. My dad always say, it hurts me more than it hurts you. I'll be like, tell that to my backside right now, Dad. But why do we discipline, parents? Come on, why do we discipline? Yeah. And we're so desperate to not just have our kids survive in life, not, but we want our kids to thrive in life because we don't just want our kids going the wrong way in life. We want them going the right way in life and as painful, as hard as it is, and exhausting. It is exhausting being a parent disciplining your kids. It's never going to be done. Apparently, it's not even done when they're older, which discourages me greatly. (laughs) But we do it because we love our kids so much, and that's how much, not even how much, how much more does God have better planned for us? How much more does God want us to thrive in the ways of Jesus and things of Jesus for the kingdom of Jesus? And so he disciplines those who are his. God's not a benevolent sugar daddy like some pastors will tell you where just give you blessing, give you blessing, give you blessing. He loves you more than that. Way more than that. God's not the carefree stepfather just in the family because he has to be. That's, that's not it. Not every stepfather's like that clearly, but some are. God's not the absentee dad that's in and out and gone. God is not the authoritarian tyrant. That's not God. He is the, he is, he is the loving father who is present and engaged in the life of his children and actively involved in their growth and development, both as human beings and followers of Jesus Christ. And that's why God leans into us with his loving reproof and chastisement, words right from here, and discipline. And you know what this should cause us to do? It should cause us to not think less of God, but think more of God. Look at verse 9. Besides this, also, uh, along with this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we much not more subject to the Father of spirits and live? Think of your earthly dad. When I was in high school, like, we butted heads. Like, it was a perpetual, like, get up in the morning, like, where is he? <laughs> <laughs> My dad always tells me, like, one day you'll be thankful. I'm like, no, I probably won't. I remember saying that. I will not be thankful ever. You know, today, I so respect my dad that he was more stubborn than me. My wife tells my kids all the time, I've heard her say it this month even, like, you think you're stubborn, son? I am way more stubborn than you. And she's right. But I so respect my dad for his, his stubborn tenacity to 
keep coming and keep coming and not get, I would have given up. I'm just being honest. I don't think I was that bad, but I'm, if you know the real Daryl, like before Christ and even still shades of that come, like I am a stubborn pig headed. It can be a know it all. Like, oh my goodness, am I a jerk? My daughter's laughing. That's not proper, I don't think. But I respect my dad because he kept coming. And he's like, son, I'm going to teach you how to respect people. Son, I'm going to teach you how to, to get up in the morning and work hard and not be lazy. Son, I'm going to teach you qualities and characteristics that make you successful before God and this world. And son, I'm going to do it until the day you leave the house because I love you that much. I respect my dad so much, but how much more God? How much more God that he doesn't give up on us, that he keeps coming because he loves us? Think, think of the, the people, even in the Bible, that God has, has disciplined for their good, which seems so harsh at the time, but disciplined for their good. Can you think of anyone in the Bible, like strong leaders, strong leaders that God, that, that they're in the, even the hall of fame in Hebrews 11, that God said, and you know, God disciplined them, but it always turned out for their good. And, and I'm sure that today in heaven, they're rejoicing that God disciplined them. What about Moses? Remember Moses? This is the leader of all leaders. God, how did God discipline him? Remember, how did God discipline Moses? He couldn't go to the promised land. Oh, the one thing he wanted most, you can't have it. But in the process of that, God taught Moses some valuable lessons about, about revering God and about how doing life God's way is the only way. And it caused Moses this desire to live his life solely for God and nothing else. And to cherish God more than anything else. That's what it taught Moses. What about David? Remember David? Oh my goodness, that guy a screw up, eh? Went and slept with Bathsheba. Killed her husband. Consequence of that, he lost one of his children. That was painful. Then his other kids were chasing him his whole life. Didn't get to build the temple he longed to build, but yet through the process of, dis- of discipline, he, the process of discipline, here's what God made David into a man after his own heart. How'd that happen? Just like, oh, bang, I sinned, I'm a man after God's own heart. No, through the discipline that God gave him, David then learned that, oh man, I just want to pursue God. I want to be found in God. I don't want to do life on my own. I just want to do things right from here on out for the glory of God. How do you learn that? Discipline. This is God's goal of discipline. Let me tell you these three things before we move on to the last point. Here's God's goal of discipline is to correct us. It's to correct us. This is why God disciplines his kid for correction, to change our course, to open our eyes, to enlighten our souls. Don't do that because that's harmful and hurtful. It's going to bring you pain and devastation. He corrects us. And if you're out there stubborn like me, it's okay to be corrected by God. Here's what else he does. He cultivates us. Through his discipline, he cultivates our hearts to be like his. Sometimes those, those spankings and those timeouts cause you to really ref- truly reflect on the reality of your heart and it leads you to repentance so that God again can not just change your behavior. God's not super interested in behavior modification as much as he is heart transformation. And so in those times, those times, Let's be honest, I've been, on, I've been on Exile Island before in my own soul for discipline reasons many times in the recent past and probably in the not so recent, not so distant future. But you know what the benefit of discipline is in those, those times when you're listening, you just know that the Lord's like really working in your heart on something and he's really convicting you heavy. Don't be afraid of conviction. That's God's grace to you. It's really caused me to take stock of my own heart and say, is my heart really the place that, that God's heart is? And, and, and every time it's this, it's no. 
And so sometimes God allows us to sit there to, in, in that place of, of discipline. It's not just like a, here it is, it's over. Sometimes he allows us to sit there for a season because he needs to change our hearts. There's a whole lot of rearranging these old hearts that needs to happen. And so God cultivates our hearts to make us like David, men and women, after the heart of, of, God's, of God. And God also does this to coach us. To teach us, not just correct us when we're wrong, but to teach us what's right and educate us in, in the ways of God. Remember, remember your coaches when you played sports, your coaches, they, they, they'd be like, okay, okay, do it again. Run this play again. Run this play again. Run this play again. We already did it seven times, coach. Do it again. Do it again. He's coaching us that we'll be successful. That's what God wants to do in discipline. He wants to coach us to be successful in life, in our relationships, in our church family, and in our pursuit of, of advancing God's kingdom. Not all hard times are discipline, for sure. But sometimes hard times are discipline, for sure. I remember when my wife's father got cancer, and a well-meaning Christian brother came and said, it's because you got sin, it's because you got sin, it's because you got sin. And he's like, I don't think I got sin. Checked his heart over and didn't have sin. Misunderstanding that all hardships are because of discipline. That's not it. Sometimes it's just part of life. Sometimes we get sick and we have trials and we have kids, part of life. But other times we don't want to dismiss either. Other times it is because there's something in our hearts that is sinful that God wants to change. And I think so often Christians aren't willing to go there, but God wants to say we miss God's lessons. I know what you're asking. Well, how do you know? I'm glad you asked. So glad you asked. How do you know? Here's, here's how we know if the hard times are because of God's discipline. If the hard times because of God's discipline, he's always going to reveal the sin. Through the word of God, through the Holy Spirit, the still small voice, through another believer, he's always going to reveal a sin. It's so hard. The first question to ask, is it because that there is something in me that God is wanting to weed out of me? First question. Maybe yes, maybe no. But God will always reveal the sin. He's not going to like discipline you and leave you hanging. What am I here for? You figure it out. He's going to show you. And it's always going to be specific. God will always put his finger on it. He won't just discipline you and leave you in the dark. He'll always put his finger on it so that he can lead you to repentance and a right relationship with him. Let me be honest with you. Sometimes the things we have in our lives, it's just God putting a finger on us. Why is, why is life so hard? It's because the lust issue that you refuse to deal with. Why is business not going well? It's because of the, the, the greed that's so deep in your heart that the only way to weed it out, that God's going to weed it out, is to make things, allow things to struggle for a little while. Why does it seem like my prayers are just reaching the ceiling? Maybe because, because in First Peter tells us that, that husbands, if you're not loving your wives the way you're supposed to, your prayers are going to be hindered. And God wants to put his finger on that so you can repent of that and live in a healthy relationship within your family. All kinds of realities. Maybe it's because life is harder now because of the dishonesty that's in your heart and you're, you're scamming everybody and you're living this double life and, and God's saying enough. Maybe your restless soul is because there's a sin that's there that you refuse to deal with and God's like, I'm not going to let you sleep because I love you and I'm going to keep waking you up and waking you up until you deal with this so that you don't find yourself in a ditch forever. Let me just stop here and ask you this. You feel in the weight of the world today? It may be because God's trying to get your attention because of sin. Don't be so quick to dismiss that and minimize that. Maybe God's got you here on purpose and you're getting all fired up inside. Who do you think he's talking to? I'm talking to me and you. 
Ask God. Check your heart. The only reason God puts you in discipline and reveals sin is that you'll repent and come back to him. Prodigal son, remember that whole story? Prodigal son. Good application for that here again today. Come back to Jesus. Check your heart. Is there sin? If there is, don't be afraid to face it. Repent of it and come home. What about those who have never experienced the Lord's discipline? I would be worried if I were you. If you've never felt the conviction of sin, and you know you're in sin, or you know you've sinned, and you've never felt any twang of conviction or any weight of sin, I would be very concerned because that probably shows you what this passage says. It could show you what this passage says. You're not actually a legitimate child of God. What's the answer to that? Is to, is to, to all the things you know about Jesus, come to Jesus today and say, God, I am a sinner. I need a Savior. I repent of my sin. By faith, I put my hope in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to live my life under your lordship now. That's what it means to become a child of God. Then you'll find yourself in a healthy, holy place of being able to live under his discipline. And that's a good place. You know why? Because point number three, the last one, is simply this. Living in God's house under his authority is always good because God's discipline ultimately brings life. God's discipline ultimately brings us life every single time. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and what? And live. Oh no, discipline, it steals my life. It puts me in this prison. It's going to kill my life. Actually, discipline doesn't do any of those things. Discipline causes us to live. Remember, the thief comes to kill and steal and destroy. Why does Jesus come to give us life and give, it, give us life? What is it? Abundantly. For earthly dads disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good. Even as a, even as a dad, I discipline sometimes. And 10 minutes later, I'm like, man, did I mess that up? <laughs> Too harsh. Too soft. Didn't say that right. That didn't get across. We do what's best to us, but get this God's discipline is always the best. Not what's best to us, it's always the best. It is right, it is good. He always gives us the right amount of discipline for the right circumstance, for the right outcome, every single time for our good. He'll just sit there and wonder, is God being too harsh? Is being too... No, always the right amount of pressure at the right place at the right time for our good. I think the problem is, is we look at discipline through the binoculars upside down. We see such a narrow view of discipline. It hurts. It's painful. It stinks. It's never going to end. You've got to flip the binoculars upside right and, and look at it through the, the small end. So the, the, you see through the big end. And the big end, you see it that way. God's grand perspective is no this is going to hurt for a short time but it's going to be good and beneficial and profitable God never looks back and wishes ah I wish I could do a do over when it comes to discipline see that word there good it's for our good you want to circle that word if you haven't needed it up to this point in life you're going to need it soon if you're a follower of Jesus if your good father is caring for you, he disciplines us for our good. How can hard be good? In our culture, we have no. Hard's always bad, easy's always good. Hard's always bad, easy's always good. How does that apply to school? How does it apply to jobs? How does that apply to athletes? It doesn't apply anywhere. Why would it apply? 
It's good because when God disciplines us, it brings us closer to God. It gives us a greater resolve to love God and live for him. It gives us deeper urgency to resist sin and it's devastating. Get this devastating consequence in your life. If you think sin is just something to play with, you're wrong. It's devastating consequence in your life. It gives us more intensity in our pursuit of God and his pathway of blessing, of obedience. And after every time God is done disciplining you, he looks back on that and he goes, now that was good. Now that was profitable for them. So glad they learned. Now that helped them immensely. For your good, son. No, it's not, Dad. Remember, I said that all the time. No, it's not, Dad. You might say, no, it's not, Dad. Now when you get to heaven, now that I have kids of my own, I can see how it was all good. When you get to heaven, you're going to be like, oh, that was so, so good. Thank you, God. But also it's for us for your holiness. See that? That we may share in his holiness. First Peter 1.16, be holy as I am holy. There's only one kind of holy. That's God's kind of holy. And discipline helps us become holy. Discipline deals with the sin that we might be done with the sin and shed the sin and be, leave the sin behind us. We might look more like Jesus Christ. We know in, in Scripture that when we're saved, we're justified. We're, we're, it's just as if we've never sinned, but now we have to be sanctified. It's a whole lifetime of being made holy like Jesus. It takes a lifetime of it. And you're not done being sanctified, just so you know, in case you think you're there yet. You're not. You're not done being sanctified until you meet Jesus. Then it's over. When you see his face, sanctification is done. And you can say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. God got me here. Until then, sanctification is for not somebody else. It's for me and you. So God uses discipline to make us holy. You ever seen those ice sculptures in uh, Ottawa, Winterlude? You know, they get the big block of ice, have the big ice competitions where it just looks like a big chunk of ugly ice and they start chipping away and chainsaws come out and chisels come out and before you know it, there's like, hey, there's something there. It's starting to look beautiful and, and you can't see the face on the screen very well. It's actually a face of a man and, and this guy, maybe it's him, it looks like him a little bit and you think about it. But he's chiseling away and chiseling away and there's ice flying everywhere. And that's what God's doing in us. But it's not just my face that shows up. It's Jesus' face in me that shows up. And so discipline is like chisel, chisel, chisel. Don't need that. That's marring the image of what's coming out. Chisel, chisel, chisel. Chainsaw, chainsaw, chainsaw. That hurts. That doesn't feel good. Uh-oh. Urgh. Wish I'd get out of this. But in the end, you know what it is? It's the face of Jesus that appears in our characters because of the holy discipline of God. He makes us holy. He takes away all unnecessary sinfulness that disguises his grand design. It's so worth it. And it also leads to this, the peaceful fruit of righteousness. The peaceful fruit of righteousness to only those who've been trained by it. Only those who subject themselves to the authority of God and allow God's disciplining work to take full root in their hearts. The peaceful fruit of righteousness is a result. Oh my goodness, who doesn't want more peaceful fruit of righteousness in their hearts? Who doesn't want more peace in their hearts? Every single one of us wants more peace. How does that come as God roots out the sin? How do we even walk in righteousness if God roots out the sin and puts within us desires and qualities of righteousness to live out? Our discipline from God results in the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So when you go to bed at night, if you sit under God's discipline in a healthy way, when you go to bed at night, you can say this, oh God, I have such peace. (laughs) Because I know I'm walking with you. I know that you're making me more like your son. I know I'm yours and I know you are mine. 
And that gives me such amazing peace. Doesn't matter what else happens in life. I have God and that's enough. Discipline's not a dirty word, brothers and sisters. It's a healthy, holy, God word for your life, for your good and his glory. As I look back on my life, I told you I'm stubborn. I need to be disciplined all the time. It's not a week that goes by that something doesn't convict me from somewhere about something. But you know what I've come to realize? God's discipline has so much more defined my life than those easy times of smooth sailing. More than those Facebook moments I want the world to see or those dark and behind-the-scene moments. where it is, it is a, it, I, I am getting, like, disciplined by the Lord. Because those moments change the trajectory of my life. These moments make me cocky and self-sufficient. These moments take, make me dependent and, and seek after God with all my heart. These are the defining moments. These are the, these are the moments that have shaped my life to the man that I am. Not these ones. Yes, the blessing is wonderful. Bring it on. I'm not saying to avoid the blessing. God, bless me as, as much as you want with the favor of God. But, but don't miss the blessing of discipline at the same time. These are what's going to make you into the man and woman of Christ more than the other. Almost there, not quite yet, but almost at the point in my life where I'm like, God, discipline? I know I need it, so like, bring it. Bring it. I hate it and I love it at the same time. It's weird. I, I hate it, but in the back of my heart, I'm like, I know it's good. Oh, let's stop, but don't stop till it's finished. Discipline's God's gift to us as his children. Let's expect it. And embrace it. And let God do his refining work in us that we might all look more like Jesus. We might all walk in his ways as he designed. Let me pray. God, I thank you for discipline. I thank you that you love me enough to discipline me. It means that you are Mine and I am yours. It means that you have something far greater for me than my little sinful mind can even begin to comprehend. Thank you, God, that you love us enough to to pursue us, to forgive us, but also to lower your holy hand of discipline when I need it most. Father, I pray for those that are here in this place today that that maybe through this sermon they're realizing they're under the discipline of God. Life's been hard and, and they can't figure out why and All of a sudden today, there's things cropping up in their minds and hearts like, this is why. Because I've yet to deal with this in my life. Oh God, would you give them grace today to feel conviction, to know conviction? Not that they can sit in guilt and shame, but they can come to a Savior today. And they can ask for forgiveness today. And you can teach them the lessons you want them to learn today. God, I pray if there's discipline needed, we wouldn't run from it or hide from it, go hide in the corner or run away. But instead, God, that we'd be willing to sit under the wonderful and beautiful hand of discipline from our God. Father, I pray for those today that aren't going through discipline at this time, but will be soon. Father, I pray this message sticks with them and when it comes, they wouldn't second guess, they wouldn't doubt, but they'd be willing to embrace and thank you for the hard times that come that shape us and mold us that no other time can. God, I pray for us as a church that when we watch people going through your discipline, that we wouldn't be quick to judge them or somehow sit on our holy perch looking down upon them, but we'd embrace them, God. And we'd help them as they learn the discipline of the Lord and that we'd walk with them through life and we'd encourage them and strengthen them. 
And that you'd use us all, Lord, to spur each other on for greater things for you and for your kingdom. God, where holy spankings are needed, bring it, God. Where holy timeouts are necessary, we're in. Where righteous reprimands are, are now we're in. We just want to be like Jesus. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us and not letting us become wild not letting us run away from you and straight to the pit of hell. We're grateful. In Jesus' name, amen.